a uh, the possible uh, a, a, a possibly corrupt interaction with the police. I mean, that's the last thing that we all need to hear. But anyway, at uh, ten minutes past eight, let's go to Malusi Ngala. Uh, Ngala, sorry. Seven oh two. You can call us on O double one double eight three O seven oh two. Good evening, Malusi, and thank you for joining us, man. Uh, good after. Good evening, Brooks. How are you? No, I'm great, man. I'm great. So, Malusi, I mean, to kick things off, um, uh, Corruption Watch does this quite regularly where you look at specific sectors. I mean, years back, many, many years back, um, I remember that you looked at, for example, corruption in uh, schools and then specifically looking at SGBs and the roles that they play. This time you've applied your trade or your research uh, specifically uh, to an entity that keeps on coming up when we talk about Corruption, maybe not at the highest possible levels that Mr. You know that that uh, the good judge uh, Zondo is probably going to look into, but ordinary day-to-day interactions with police as a you know that could end up being corrupt. Yeah. Um, so you know this is uh, one of those reports. You correct, but um, where it differs with schools is that schools we it was an actual campaign that we were mm-hmm. so. It's the first time they are looked um, from a research perspective at um, sectors. And this comes from actually campaigns like the school's campaign, but also other research um, reports that we have produced in which we will highlight several sectors. But then there's a general interest from members of the public to say, tell us a little bit more about health or tell us a little bit more about the police, tell us a little bit more about traffic and so on and so forth. So we then decided that we are going to hone in on um, specific sectors. Um, so this is the first report that we've produced looking at the police as an institution and the report of corruption that we have received. And to add to that, yes, you're correct. This is um, trademark corruption, watch, if I can put it that way, in that it's ordinary people um, speaking to their encounters, their interaction mm. with police officers. So, I mean, obviously you would have uh, taken um, a sample of, of, of people. Uh, over what period did you do conduct this research and uh, around about how many people did you reach with your research in this instance? Um, so, this is um, a sample of 1,440 people um, since in, uh, it's dates back as far as one, uh, 2012. But the, the the thing is, these are actual cases. So these are people that have come to us via our various channels, mm. um, be it our website or walk-ins to our offices, telephonically, text messages. These are people that actually came to us as a last resort when they've lost all hope and do not know who else they can scream at or even cry yeah um and they've come to us and then highlighted these incidents for sure i hear what you're saying there so let's go through some of the numbers that are very telling so obviously it's been broken down in terms of categories um in terms of people's experiences and and the leading categories of corruption from these reports were bribery abuse of power and dereliction of duty do you want to just quickly break down the numbers for us there and also maybe just state out of the 1440 people uh, that you then uh, spoke to? I mean, how many of those people then experienced corruption? Uh, because I'm pretty sure that there would have been room for some saying that, listen, I had a wonderful experience with the police and there was no uh, corruption whatsoever. 
uh, all the way through to uh, someone saying that, listen, you know, uh, from when I got to the police station or from when I picked up the phone and spoke to someone, there was a problem. Okay. Um, So let me deal with the numbers first. So Mm. it's from these numbers, about 33% of the people highlight bribery, um, 23% highlight a piece of power um, the category that we decided to use exclusively for police mm. and then um, their election of duty comes in at 18 percent um, of course there are other forms you know impropriety uh, irregularities procurement um, also pertaining to employment but the, the top three are those ones mm. um, so the this was not necessarily a, a study to ascertain whether people are having good or bad experiences. Yeah, okay. It was simply a sample based on people that have come to us and told us that we're having a bad experience. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah, sure. We can't have these issues. Okay, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And, uh, I mean, let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, that category in the middle for me is, is especially interesting because uh, somehow it seems to spread out uh, to other categories as well, arguably. But, I mean... Uh, so 33% of people, uh, you know, uh, reported bribery, whereas 23% um, reported abuse of power. What would be that abuse of power? Because obviously we know that police, by their very nature and what their jobs entail, um, are in positions of power. So the obvious question then is how did they abuse that power in this particular instance? What was the measure for an abuse of power? Yeah, no, sure. It's a good question. Um, so the... The thing is, um, as I mentioned earlier, we decided to highlight this corruption mm. form exclusively for the police simply because of the nature of the work that they do. Mm. Um, and in these particular uh, reports, what we've seen are trends of uh, police being violent, um, police um, imposing themselves onto victims, for example, mm. uh, issues of extortion for example where they would harass um women and also not not cooperate or be willing to actually assist people who raise complaints or want to file cases so in one of the instances um and i think the report actually highlights this is that you you find that a woman in one of the cases a woman wanted to open a case um, and the officer was unwilling. And mm. She was she was being abused, and he wanted to. He insisted on strip searching her so that he can make sure that indeed, wow, um, she's got scars. And you know, it became an issue of um, him trying to solicit sexual favors. And he went as far as even to say that you know he's not he he is an um, authority, and he will do as he pleases. She was okay. And I think that, I mean, those are unfortunately the type of things that we hear on a regular basis. Um, and, and I mean, that makes absolute sense in, in, you know, within that particular instance that these are clear and blatant cases of abuse of power. Uh, when we talk about that, I mean, I listened to Joanne Joseph's show now the other day, as I said, as I was driving home. And the one thing that stood out for me as well was the idea that, um, you know, there was these police that had followed this couple and they literally followed them up to their flat and tried to take jewelry uh, and and money, you know, in exchange for and and this wasn't even a case of bribery. This was just an, a, a a simple case of extortion. For, you know, insisting extortion. that they should take uh, items mm-hmm. from people. 
Mm-hmm. But so, I mean, I mean we, we've also, um, there are those kind of issues that I also highlighted in the report where um, people will allege that police have followed them um, mm. just because they see them coming from a party or whatever the case may be um, to their place of home, um, to, to their homes and then try to extort money from them. So what I'd just like to understand from you also then is, I mean, if you look at the research, that this research that you had conducted, I mean, what would be the main aim behind it? Because um, I know that there's going to be the usual narrative of the vast majority of police do a great job and it's only a few bad apples. Um, and this doesn't help the situation because it creates a negative uh, perception of our police and their, in turn, their relationship with uh, the rest of society and communities. I mean, is it is that actually the case or... Um, you know, does the does this type of information actually help us? Um, look, when a person reads this report, mm. one thing that will come to you as a reader, because we try to make it as accessible as possible to anybody to read. It's not just numbers with. Are you there, Malusi? Malusi. Okay, seems that we lost Malusi momentarily. We'll try to get him back and then obviously continue the conversation there. Uh, because as I said, it's it's extremely important that we do have a conversation about this. Um, you know, about this whole idea of, of why, what, what is behind and what is the actual importance um, of, of this type of survey. Where, where does it lead us? Where does it take us? Because for me, it's extremely important to obviously understand uh, what it is that we can do as citizens apart from being really upset at the fact uh, that our police are being, uh, you know, corrupt and, and, and getting up to corrupt activities. Malusi, do we have you back? Malusi? Hello? Yes, yes, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Great stuff. Um, so the, the, what I was trying to highlight is that this is a report where anyone can read it and what you will see is that you know, there's a part of you in this report. Mm. Um, we've all had an encounter with the police, and we all know what it feels like to be in that position where, you know, you are being forced to comply with, you know, with shady behavior or misconduct just because a police officer is deems themselves as a person of authority and a person who can do as they please. So it's a story of, any, of, of almost every South African, and it's a story that everybody can relate. So what we then should be able to take out from this is to say, what do we want um, for, mm. for our police? What, what kind of institution do we like, uh, would we like to have? Yes, um, there have been several reforms, perhaps several um, changes as well in the past 25 years, but clearly um, it's still a sad state of affairs. And there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done. And um, what is our role in that? Um, we as corruption might always believe that people need to continue to blow the um, whistle on corruption um, by, by remaining vigilant so that we can hold those who are in authority to account. And, you know, um, we continue to have dialogue with government officials, the mm. corruption unit in the police, for example. 
I mean, in terms of resolution, and you, you touched on that because obviously a lot of people would want to seek some form of resolution. They would want to see, uh, seek some form of um, relief from all of this nonsense going on, especially when we talk in this instance about uh, police corruption. And, and, and all too often, you know, the police is probably your uh, most direct, apart from maybe the health services, uh, your most direct uh, interaction with uh, the state where you actually need the state's protection. We also see more and more people, for example, going into the private security industry and government is very happy to tell us about, you know, their concerns about, uh, you know, the, the, the high levels of private security companies and what they're actually here to do. But unfortunately, I think for many, um, in, it, it almost becomes inevitable that that's where you're going to turn to. But obviously, that's not an option for everyone because the vast majority of us, um, you know, need, are dependent on the police for keeping us safe. Um, in this instance, and that is their constitutional mandate. There's no other way of putting it. So, um, you know, how do we then empower ourselves with this information that you have provided us with as, as Corruption Watch? Um, it's strange that you actually make this point because that is the opening statement of the um, of the report in that, you know, not all of us are that privileged to have panic buttons and where we can summon someone to come and protect us. So, mm. um, we need the men and women in blue to actually protect and serve us all, um, regardless of our gender, sex, race, um, class, or mm. even proximity to political power. You know, um, it's, this is something of paramount importance. So, yeah, so what we are trying to do here, for the first time in a research report, um, we have actually produced public education material Mm. where we are trying to um, alert people um, of their rights and also how what they can do should they find themselves in a situation where they have to interact with a police officer who may be a bit dodgy. You know? mm. Mm. So that's, that's something that we are encouraging people to actually have a look at because, um, believe it or not, you know, when you are in a stressful situation, the last thing that you think about, especially if you go into want to open a case is that, you know, um, here are my rights, so this is what I'm going to say. Um, it's mm. not an easy thing. So that's why we felt it was necessary for us to do this. Um, other thing that we also do is we um, recently, in the past few months, or late last year, mm. on the Google Impact Challenge, and in this project called Know Your Police Station, we will be canvassing um, police stations across South Africa, and we're trying to um, collect data, and the data is to evaluate what are the resources that are at the disposal of the police, who's in charge, who, what are their responsibilities. But, but then again, we want to take the, this information and make it accessible mm. to the communities so that you know, for example, that um, as a resident of West Dean or a resident of Soweto, this, these are my police stations, and these are the resources that they can use. How many vehicles do they have and who's the station commander? And what do I do in a situation where um, I'm faced with criminal or corrupt activity? I mean, that's, that's absolutely important because I think part of the problem is that um, uh, what tends to happen is, is that in, in the real world, I'm going to, for example, leave the studio at 10 o'clock uh, by 5 past 10 past 10. I'm in my car driving home. 
and I'm going to encounter, uh, and I bet you either whether I drive past them or they actually pull me over, I'm going to encounter members of the police service in one form or the other. Um, and, you know, I personally get very nervous all too often because you don't know whether you are being legitimately pulled over to, I don't know, search the vehicle, make sure that you've not been uh, having a good time out in Santon, uh, and you're, dr- you're driving home in a drunken state. But all too often for me, uh, a lot of those situations seem to be uh, op- nothing else but opportunities uh, to seek for, you know, you know for, for, for extra money for a bribe or, or something to that effect because, uh, you know, literally it goes from one to the next to the next to the next. Um, and it's quite clear that I'm just on my way home. I've just done some work and I'm just going to go home, um, you know, and, and get some rest. But unfortunately, it does appear that there's uh, some form of extortion or um, at the very minimum, uh, some form of bribery that's being sought, you know, in exchange for money. So that for me is, I think, what worries a lot of people as well. And then, of course, when you are in that situation whereby you are being, uh, you know, handled in a rough manner, and you know, that's unnecessary, there's too much force being applied, um, you know, how easy is it for you under those particular circumstances then to assert your rights? Because all too often, you know, you get a slap and um, you, you might know what your rights are, but you're not able to assert them because the position of power is out of your hands. Exactly. So, um, and, and these are the kind of things that um, we also want to bring to um, people's attention that, you know, uh, as much as you may think that, you know, you know your rights and you know what to do, Sometimes it's uh, confrontation. You need to avoid that because police can be violent. And mm. We've seen the reports that we've received at least. So in those circumstances, perhaps is to say um, is, is to tell yourself that as soon as the incident is finished, you're going to report it to the nearest police station. And failure there too. Then there's always IPEC, but there's also organizations such as ourselves where who you can also contact as well. Yeah. No, I think it's extremely important that we share that information. And as you said, uh, sometimes one has to be cognizant and, and be careful and aware of what the positions of power are and rather survive to fight another day, inverted commas, you know, where you can then, for example, go uh, report the matter, sue the minister of police, because that's who you're going to sue if you wrongfully arrested, if you were beaten up, if, if something happened that was obviously outside of the law. I think that's extremely important that one keeps that in mind. Is there any reference to who you can consult after such an event, or is that information that you'll uh, have to seek out yourself afterwards? You know, IPID, uh, maybe uh, Legal Aid South Africa, yeah. NGOs that are litigating in those spaces? Yeah, in the public education material, um, it, it's all there. Where we make reference to IPAD, um, um, also the South African Police Service, because indeed, you know, it's not every police person um, officer that you come a- you come across that's um, bad. Yeah, you know, yeah, of course. Are, there are uh, men and women out there that are doing a splendid job. Um, it's just unfortunate that we have to find ourselves in a situation where we need to highlight Mm. These problems because we need to root out corruption so that we can have a better institution that will protect and serve us all. Now, I'm sure everyone will agree with you on that one. Where does one access your your um, report, Melissa? So, um, what we've also done this time is to um, come up with a podcast um, mm. for people who don't want to read. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, um, it's just to make 
the information accessible. Ah. Um, no, on so clearly you guys thought about me. That's very nice of you, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so you can access the podcast. It's on um, Spotify or SoundCloud, um, soon to be on Apple Podcasts and Google Play as well. Um, or you can also go to our website. That's where you'll find the, the report. Um, I promise you it's very easy. It's not dense or complex mm. research that you need to understand. No, it's made for if you're public just to read and engage and understand what's happening. So it's on www.corruptionwatch.org.za. That's where you can find the report. Great, man. Thank you so much for all the information that you shared. I hope people are going to actually use this information um, and then continue to obviously report incidents uh, that are uh, corrupt in nature or that they deem as being corrupt. Obviously, I know that you also receive volumes and volumes of stuff where it is not corrupt. However, um, you know, that's how the person uh, understands it. I- in the first instance, you provide the necessary yeah, yeah. education and solutions as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, no, mate. We, we definitely do that. Thanks. Great stuff, man. All the best to you and thank you for chatting to us this evening. Okay, then. Cheers, you. man. That was uh, Malusi Nkela. He is, of course, the head researcher at Corruption Watch.